Welcome in to another edition of the Tabby the Keg podcast episode four eighteen. Mitch on the ones and twos. Charlie here with you. Um, did you hear that on your end or no? I did. Oh, that was weird. So if you guys hear that now, I have to like, do I need to edit it? It's annoying. I have to like download it. It's a whole the the process is a lot, but I will edit it for the people. So everybody knows. Thanks to Zoom for doing that. I think we all know it's fucking recorded. Um, but Mitch is here as always. Mitch, I have to think you're feeling good. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a, I mean, well, <laughs> let's why Mitch is feeling good is for the Bucks are up 2-0. We'll talk about game three. We'll talk about game four. We'll also uh, chat a little bit about just how we're feeling about the Bucks, things we like, things we don't, as well as I'm sure a couple NBA offshoots as well. We'll wonder if the Packers are the most dysfunctional they have ever been as a franchise in our lifetime, both 32 some years. And then lastly, we will talk about the Milwaukee Brewers, David Stearns, their entitlement with Brewer fans, as well as give you any confidence that the Brewers and Dodge Brewers have been so good against the Dodgers and Padres. So all of that today, I think it's a really good show. I'm going to call it right now, call my shot. I don't usually do that, but I, I think this is one that people will enjoy. So Mitchie, um, this couldn't have started better for the Milwaukee Bucks. Saturday was as intense of a basketball game as I can remember. Um, yeah, and a lot of those games, the Bucks haven't been on the right end of it. it. And I've said this a couple times in the podcast this week, and it's because I feel confident about this basketball team that I feel like the Chris Middleton shot is like the start of the championship DVD. It's the start of everything. And if that shot doesn't go in, go to double overtime. Who knows? And if the Bucks can't clear that mental hurdle against Miami in game one. I don't think they wiped the floor with the Heat in game two. Maybe they beat them because I, I think they're yeah. the, they are the superior team. But I, I always felt pretty good about this team. And I somehow feel better after two games. And it's only been two games, but I feel good. So how, how, what's, what's been your sort of feeling, thought process throughout this last five days? Well, let me crack my beer here first. Um, Go ahead. What are we drinking? Nice, not, nice not Moon Man. Nice. I'm having a cherry, a cherry Coke Zero um, myself. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm getting wild. I yeah, um, very Mormon of me. Well, so over the last five days, huh? I mean, well. Well, yeah. I mean, since Saturday. Playoffs, Saturday since took playoffs, Saturday took Saturday took five to ten years off my life. <laughs> um, not days, not weeks, probably years. And just, it was good to win. It was good to, it's just like that whole game was like, not the whole game, but, you know, we hung with them, but it just, it just kind of felt like the bubble again in a, in a way where it was like, God, nothing is easy. Just, we can't make any shots and just the heater there all the time. Dragic was going a little bit in the second half. Um, it just kind of felt like, you know, oh my God, the heater just, this is just going to be seven games of hell. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And then, yes, Middleton hits that shot. You know, everybody goes nuts, myself included. And they rode the momentum into game two. That was a wire-to-wire just ass-kicking. Uh, the yep. Heat tried to the Heat tried to get some shots in, if you will, um, that, that to the surprise of no one on, a, on, a, on our side of the no. Mason-Dixon. Yeah. Pat and, Riley, uh, Pat Riley's involved, so of course they're going to try to be dirty, at, you know, when they're getting their ass kicked. That's not surprising. Yeah, and you know, Bryn Forbes goes goes off, and I mean, you knew the Bucks were going to, you know, hit some shots. I mean, I thought, you know, there's yeah. no way that they're going to hit, you know, five threes again, which is pitiful for a modern NBA. I mean, teams are, you got to hit at least ten, and. uh Bucks are just too good of a shooting team to have that happen again. That that was my thought coming out of game one was, you know, for those couple of days in between games, you know, full Sunday and all of Monday, you're seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter about, well, if, if the Heat can just get their stars going and uh, they'll be fine. Like, look at how bad Jimmy Butler and Bam were, you know, and we, and we lost by two in overtime. But it's like the Bucks. I mean, 
Bucks will never shoot that bad again. No. Um, not at home anyway. And um, they didn't in game two. And game two was about as, as exciting a first quarter as you're probably going to get. Um, and they rolled all the way. And the Heat never really, you know, they kind of rolled over. And yeah. as, you know, as it was someone, an exciting time. No, no doubt. As someone who tells the public first quarters don't matter, which I still stand by for the most part, that was one of those times where if you weren't watching the first quarter, just you missed everything. Like I was yelling at my couch and my fiance told me it's not a sports bar. And I it's like, you want to yell like that? You can go to a bar. I'm like, you got to be careful there because I'll go, I'll take you up on that. And then I'm at host <laughs> like two times a week. And then that's your fucking fault. That's not mine. Uh, um, and, yeah. Be careful what you wish for on that one. <laughs> right. Exactly. And the, the fact of the matter is, is like, yeah, I was going nuts because this was like an out of body experience. It was an absolute crazy thing that was happening. Like, I don't think anyone realized how, how like special this was. I mean, Bucks fans did, but if you were like not a fan, you wouldn't realize it. And Bryn Forbes, just every time it felt like it was going in and they were hunting, they were looking for shots for Bryn and it almost like that Giannis three, it, it, I thought it was corny when Reggie Miller said it, like, you know, he goes, Giannis, you know, that three started it all. And I kind of was like, ah, I don't know. Like, I know a lot of people don't like Reggie. I think Reggie's okay. Um, yeah. And I was, I was like, ah, you know, it, but then I thought about it more. I did the podcast that night and I was like, you know what? It did kind of like launch a thousand ships. Like, I think it just it like released all the tension and it just went, it just went off and everybody went crazy and the heat got punched in the mouth and they didn't know what to do. And they, they got frustrated. And I think the fact that they were already frustrated like that already starting shit says everything you need to know about where Miami's headspace is. Cause I think Miami knows they can't play with Milwaukee. I think that they will give a spirited effort in game three. I think they will, they will not get swept. I really don't think the Heat will get swept. I I want it to happen. I'll, I'll wow. yell about it online if we get up 3-0. But the Heat are one of those teams that just from a pride standpoint, it'd be really hard for me to think that Miami Miami's going to let them let get swept or lay down even if the Bucks win tonight, which is very possible yeah. because they're they're just a more talented team and the Heat just need, you know, Jimmy Butler Mr. Bubble, Mr. I'm a superstar. And I, you know, obviously I'm Marquette fan. I have some love for Jimmy Butler, but it's kind of clear that the bubble or we're seeing guys get exposed who got kind of that bubble bump. Tyler Harrow's another one because Giannis is taking Jimmy every time and Jimmy can't fuck with Giannis. Can't Drew Holiday is also a problem. It's like, it's either, or it's like the length of Giannis or just Drew's, tenacity gives him such issues and then bam out of bio looks scared i mean he doesn't want to fuck with brooke lopez and brooke lopez has had an awesome series so far um and i just i think the bucks are are just in such a great spot and i i just feel i've it's hard to think i felt any more confident than i am about this team right now yeah um I mean, Bryn Forbes is a guy that I've told you several times on this podcast and in person that, you know, when he's on, when he's on, he's on. And when he's not, he's not. And he was on in game two and he basically led them to that win. I mean, you know, he had 22 points. I think it was, he was the second leading scorer for the bucks. I, I, you know, I still think that, you know, I don't want to say without him, where would they be? Where would they have been in game two? But I mean, he came in and just was a flamethrower and, and he's a guy that he's a role player and those guys tend to play better at home, especially now that crowds are coming back. We are, mm-hmm. we're, we're basically back to normal. Miami's yep. going to have 17,000 fans at American airlines arena, which scares the shit out of me. Um, it's going to be, it's going to, the game three is going to be tough. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and like the parallels to the Toronto series are there from two years ago just yeah. in terms of like a hard fought, barely pulled it out game one blew the doors off of them in game two went back to you know in that case Toronto and 
lost in like double or triple overtime. Triple. I think it was triple. Right. And, you know, now granted, this is not the Toronto Raptors of two years ago who ended up winning the championship. Um, But I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic. I, you know, I'm not as, you know, they're, they're going to win the series, but yeah, I, I mean, don't know, man. Anyone, I, w- I wouldn't, I would not be stunned if it was two, two coming back. I don't know. Anyone who knows yeah. this pot, anyone who knows this podcast knows this, is how it goes. Like if you've listened to this podcast, if you haven't, if you're new to the show, we always love new listeners. I'm more on the optimistic side. You're on the more negative side. It's why we have a good podcast. It's why we've been doing 400 of these episodes is because we just have that's that's how it goes and and you're right to feel scared you're right to feel nervous right like i i get it i i do yeah, think I mean, it's though not, it's not it's not detroit or orlando we're talking about here oh, we're talking no. about a championship pedigree coach that will make an adjustment i don't know what that adjustment is um i don't know the one thing about game two is like I don't know what Miami can look at in that game at all and be like, okay, we got to do that now. You know, like you want to go back a few years, like that Toronto game in 2016 or 17, when the Bucks came to came back to the Bradley center and blew out Toronto, I think to take a two, one lead in that series. But, but Norman Powell, that was the birth of Norman Powell. Mm -hmm. When he played the second Bucks were up by 30 at halftime and Norman Powell had like 30 points in the second half. And it was like, I think they started him the rest of the way or something. Like he played a ton. He was a big factor, but I, you know, there was nobody from Miami in game two where I was like, I mean, maybe Dwayne Dedman, but are we really scared of Dwayne Dedman? Dedman? I don't think. That. I mean, as Reggie Miller and Jalen Rose said, if Dwayne Dedman's your leading scorer, you got a lot of problems. Like yeah. um, it's, it's a, it's a major issue for this team. And I, I think going back to a, a original comment about the three pointers like the Bucks were fifth in three point percentage this year. That's across the board. That's not on the road. That's not at home. It's five. It's they're a top five team at three point shooting. So they can kind of get bailed out. And the wall, I think the problem with Miami, where Miami's spinning is like, how do we solve for Giannis? The, the count bullshit, which they took a lot of heat from a lot of different angles. Shaq didn't like it. Not surprising. Ryan Rossello, pretty prominent media member, didn't like it. Ben Thompson, who's a Bucks fan and a Bucks homer, pointed out like that's actually should have been a technical on Crown Butler. You can't do that uh, in the NBA rule books. That is a fucking technical. So I don't know. Like that's that's their only plan for Giannis. And it's like, is Wilshire gonna do a hack of Giannis? I don't think so. I don't think they're gonna do that type of shit. And if they do, I do think Bud's smart enough to adjust to that. The wall just can't happen because you have guys like Brig Forbes, you have PJ Tucker, you have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. You have all these shooters that are just ready. And I also think, and we've talked a little bit about it in the second half, Brooke Lopez post presence, I think actually really helps the wall because he's kind of right there. And it's like Giannis knows he can kind of outlet to him. I think what really matters is the first half in the, in that game, game three, because the bucks come out firing again. I'm not saying they're going to do what they did in game two, but if they, if they come out firing, I don't know. I don't know if the heat are going to just say, fuck it and just quit and say, all right, maybe, maybe game four will be better. But if, if they don't, if they just keep, they keep the foot on the throat of the Miami heat, it's, it's going to be hard for Miami to respond. And it's possible it's there, but you're right. The heat are going to try to find a wrinkle there, but you, but that's a very astute yeah. point that they didn't have one and thing. Like it's not like the elites that came in and had 15 points where it's like, well, be right. of the secret sauce. Yeah, he could be. So, I mean, he was a guy that when they, when they, when he, when they put him in finally, I was like, man, surprised he didn't play just like a big man that can shoot. I mean, he's, he can't do anything else. He can't even dribble. He so, can't play any defense either. Um, I think no, that's probably no. the problem is why, and maybe that is, maybe that's the wrinkle. Maybe they try to bring in Tyler Harrow earlier, even though Tyler Harrow, you know, is, has been trash, has not really played, played all that well in this series. Is that, is that, you'll the see, I mean, and that's my point about like, the, you know, switching back home is for them is that somebody's going to, 
they'll oh, yeah. find a role player. They're like Gabe Vincent or some fucking slum is just gonna just gonna go off. You don't even know who that is probably. I wouldn't be surprised. I know Gabe Vincent. I mean, yeah, yeah he's just he's a twelfth man or Max Struess or somebody. Oh God! I in. can't be Max. It can't be Max Struess. He went to DePaul. He was. <laughs> you can't have. That. You just can't have that. That, <laughs> that would be too much. But or like Andre Iguodala, right? Just comes out of the clouds and has a big ass game. But oh, that's man. another. He doesn't that, worry me at all. But that's another thing. Just to like reiterate that, like in game, how I felt, why I felt so confident after game one, even was seeing the box score and seeing Trevor Reza played thirty eight minutes. In 2021, yeah. when Trevor Reza is giving you 38 minutes, and anytime Giannis is on Trevor Reza, I'm immediately like, just take it, just take his ass, just take his ass and go to work. And it's like, I think that's the other thing with the Heat is like, they get too many bad matchups against Milwaukee, whether it's a Reza on Giannis, whether it's uh, Duncan Robinson on Chris Middleton. I mean, Chris Middleton absolutely embarrassed Duncan Robinson. I mean, Duncan Robinson. Oh, yeah was wearing Chris Middleton's jock by the end of it. Like, he got well, shoved so far in a fucking locker in the second and that's, game, too. Yeah, and, and that's what the Bucks. they I think they did it a few times where, like, they were looking for Duncan Robinson, which is, like, yeah, they hunt, not something yeah. the Bucks usually do. You know what I mean? Like, they just kind of no. stick to their system, I feel like. But there, there was definitely, like, if, Middleton, if Duncan Robinson's going to guard Middleton, I mean, that's fried chicken. It's yeah, like, it's – that's, it's done. That's, that's one spin move, one spin move and a dunk or spin yeah. move to a, to a fadeaway. And it's, yeah. he's automatic on those. So, I mean, that's that. Yeah. That's, I love that. Yeah. They, I mean, the bottom line is the Bucks do have more talent. Um, we haven't really talked about Drew Holiday. He didn't, he didn't do, he didn't score much, but he had 15 assists in game two, which is just like, he didn't have to do anything. He was, he was dishing the ball 30, off. His, P, his PR was plus 37. I mean, that's ridiculous. That is a ridiculous PER, um, 11, 15, and 7. Plus minus? Yeah. Yeah. Plus minus, PER not PER. Thank you. But, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, I know. Um, sorry. Either it might have might have been a 37 PER, too. I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, just, that's the thing was, like, in that first quarter, like, Bryn Forbes was wide open on a lot of those shots. Like, the Heat just – it was like they were running one action and Bryn Forbes wide open, bang. You know, one one pick, Bryn Forbes, bang, and he loved to I mean, see Middle- it because Middleton had 17 points on five shots. I mean, that's crazy, mm-hmm. you know. And the other thing too, to kind of wrap a bow on game two is the Bucks got all the rest they needed. Like they played a bunch of minutes. They played 45. Everybody kind of checked that box of like, hey, is Bud going to play these guys past 40? We knew they would because they've been doing it all year on uh, that happened. And then the next day, Giannis played 31 minutes, Middleton 23, holiday 31. Um, everybody kind of got to rest and that's so big. And now they've had a couple days off. Bucks are going to be very fresh for this game on game three. So I, yeah. it'll be, it'll be do fascinating. You, do you worry about like, do you have any thoughts on Giannis playing in, in, into the fourth quarter of that game in game two? I think it's probably I, the right move. I don't care. Because even though, the, even think, though, the, even though the Heat were that they were going to do something really stupid, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I mean, you know what I mean. Like, I don't know if I want yeah. to. Like, I was on Twitter. Like, send the send the starters to the locker room for the fourth quarter. I don't even want to risk it. But like, you got to somehow keep them somehow locked in. Yeah. I, I I really don't care that they played played into the thir- fourth quarter. I think that's just Twitter being soft and being just overly sensitive. Like you see that with Rogers sometimes with the Packers are blowing out a team. It's like, take Rogers out, take Rogers out. And it's like, guys, look, they're not going to do anything crazy. They're not going to try to dive on the loose ball. They're not going to, you know, go up for a rebound in traffic even. They're going to take precautions. They know this is a meaningless part of the game. Giannis has become a smarter player and not going 120% at every, at every street corner. But the fact of the matter is, is like it, it, it'll be, it was fine. There was nothing, there was nothing wrong with it. And I, I didn't have any issue with playing him into like the nine minute mark of the fourth quarter. I think anything after that's a little weird, but nine minutes, whatever. 
Um, I just thought I'd ask. No, that I mean it's it's a good question. Um, I did want to circle back on that game two, that game three, not to bring back bad memories, but just to put Bucks fans at ease, just in case anyone was was wondering. Do you want to know? Do you want to take a guess? What Middleton, Giannis, and Eric Bledsoe, old friend of the program, you want to take a guess what they were from the field in that game? In that game three against Toronto? Yeah. Um, combined? Yeah. I don't know. 20 for 50? 11 for 48. And yeah. they had to double overtime. Um only one bucks, only Giannis and Brooke were the only two bucks starters in double overtime who made five or more field goals. They were really led by Brogdon and, and George Hill who had 24 and 20 off the bench. They were the only guys scoring in that game. And, and so, but I guess to be like, Charlie, how does this matter? Well, for right. Game and- three? It's not, it's just not going to happen that way. The bucks aren't going to go probably go 14, for 44 from from three pointer, maybe they will, but they're probably not. And they're and and just Giannis is not going to only take 16 shots. And I just it's it'd be I'd be hard pressed to see a game like that where all three onto the Kumbo, Middleton, the Holiday just don't have it. It doesn't. It just really doesn't happen that often. Yeah, yeah, and 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 Miami doesn't have a Kawhi Leonard or a Kyle Lowry. Oh. Or Fred Van Vliet yet? Um, just remember, because Van Van Vliet was a ghost for oh, a yeah. while in that series, that that entire postseason, and he had a kid, and just it fucking nightmares ensued. Can I also can I also ask you, um, what do you think about the Heat Twitter just kind of losing their shit after that game? I don't know if you saw the tweets from the Lockdown Heat guy. Do you see any of that? Uh, something about locked on poverty franchise. He must have lost a bet or something. Yeah, I don't know, but he goes here. A couple of good tweets from him. Bucks have Bucks fans have waited what eight months to talk shit about a team missing a key player from injury, and are Middleton game away from being right back where they were this season. Congratulations on embracing mediocrity so completely. You have nothing else to look forward to. <laughs> He also said this. I have already moved on to the Blazers Nuggets game. So Bucks fans can go back to the dairy farm or brewery or whatever they have else going on because I've moved on because it's my job. That's what I get paid for. Have a good night, Cream City. This motherfucker would tweet just he continually was tweeting about stuff. He's like, I'm not mad. You're the ones that are mad. I'm not mad. Just kept fucking tweeting and everybody just sort of gave him complete hell and it was amazing it was just absolutely great and so he uh looking at the uh the this guy just looking at his twitter account now he said basically spoke goran duncan get the sense no panic even after tough loss understanding yes and an urgency to go back out there and do better he thinks that Dragic is going to start next and that's going to be that's going to be sort of the thing and and so we'll see what happens yeah yeah that's that's probably going to be the the, the move I think because Kendrick Nunn is not very good no Um, but Goran Dragic doesn't miss so that's the logical thing I guess but I don't know how much he can play at this point um but we'll, we're going to find out. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and also that the angry buck is why is, is why the bucks, why there've been some avatars that are there is because of this clown. So good. Oh, I, I did see that one. The one about the angry fawn or whatever was. Yeah. That's like our, that's like our, our logo or something on Twitter. So everybody change their 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 uh their hobby to that. I should do that. Yeah, yeah, might might have to. Yeah, I actually thought Alex Lazary tweeted at him, but it was a fake Alex Lazary account. So if you're doing that, just find a new hobby, go outside, do something, get off the internet. You know, I'm on the internet way too much. 
I'm not creating fake Alex Lazar accounts. He's not worth a fake account is what I'm saying. Um, yes and no. He's kind of, he's out of the game now. So it's like, Oh yeah. You know, yeah. he's running for Senate. He's doing, he's doing the Senate and because he's running for Senate. That's why the masks are still on past June, June 1st. And don't let them tell you any, any different, Mitchie. I know you don't want to go down the hole, but that's that's exactly why it's happening. I just want everyone to know that. Just complete hygiene theater from the La- the Lazarus clan. That's okay. It happens. I'd still go. Still attend the game. Just think it's it's a bad it's a bad move when everyone else is is already there. And that's COVID Chuck for the week. COVID Chuck's dead. I don't know. I gotta find a new passion project. What do you what do you suggest? Anything? Yeah, you might need a new hobby. I don't know. Um knitting or uh, I will tell you I um I have an awful beard right now I mean you saw me on Saturday it's just gotten bigger and I'm like I can't shave it off until the Bucks lose like so if the Bucks keep winning I'm just gonna look like Grizzly Adams and that's that's that and I'll I might look like the playoff beard kind of it's like a playoff beard it's 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 beard. It's just for beard and lose. Cause I didn't start it. I was going to shave it off before it's the series started, forgot, or just didn't have time. And I was like, all right, then I'll grow it out until, until we lose until we're out of it. And then we didn't. So now the new thing is until, until they lose their first game, I won't sh- shave it off and then I'll, I'll let it grow back. And then it'll be there for the rest of the rest of the playoffs. Cause it, it has to be, I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm weird with playoff beards. Not that superstitious. Do you think playoff beards count in a sport that isn't hockey? Like I think in hockey it counts, but I don't know if any other sport yeah, playoff beards I mean, are, are a thing. I guess I've done it, but yeah, yeah. It, it is a hockey thing, but sometimes it's fun to steal it. Yeah. And also too, like basketball is so long, man. Like in it's now full summer, like it's hot boy summer. Like, I, I don't know my beard. If a beard grew out like yours, I'd be fine. But I my beard isn't good. So it's it's just scraggly and not great. Yeah. Well, anyway. And it's gray. So that's that's two. Don't get old, kids. All right. Speaking of facial hair and all sorts of different weird hair, you have Aaron Rodgers, who has a man bun, kind of in that Tom Brady stage of his his NFL career. Um, I think a couple weeks ago. Bill Simmons said on a podcast that, you know, what is it about older quarterbacks? They just get fucking weird. And Aaron Rodgers is definitely in a weird stage of his life. He's on some new diet. He's lost 15 pounds. Um, he has a man bun. He's just hanging out with Miles Teller. And yeah, that's that's where we are right now. And wide receivers aren't showing up to camp. Now, as someone pointed out, None of them had to be there. It was voluntary workouts, but it looked kind of suspicious. Devontae Adams was the only one that lost some money by not being there. And some think that's a contract thing for Adams since he's playing, he's looking for a new deal. The Packers also are hemorrhaging money and are like 200 million over the cap for uh, next year, which is, or not the over the cap, sorry. The cap is like at 208. Packers are at 237 at this point. So again, this Packer team who doesn't want to win. And I, um, I said this on Monday's show. Well, let's not, let's not, let me not go there. Let me start here. How dysfunctional is this match? Like I said it in the open. This, this is the most, this might be the most dysfunctional the Packers have been. Do you, do you yeah. think that is, true? do you think it, it it's worse than two, 28, 2008? Do you, do you think that we're not there yet? It just feels like with the every always on internet and the get ups and the undisputed yeah. and all that bullshit, it feels like we're just hearing it and it's getting just pounded into us nonstop. Yeah, uh, there's definitely probably less there than there was for Brett Favre. Like, I, like could you imagine the Brett Favre saga like into on Twitter? Oh my God! One of the all, it would be an amazing. It would have been so amazing on Twitter. Favre would have had so many subtweets. Um, he would have been reckless on Twitter. He would have been like Baker Mayfield on Twitter. Like he would just be tweeting his ass off, and it would have been Maybe. crazy. But Favre, Favre just didn't want to didn't want to do training camps or any right. practices, and 
he was kind of like, if I'm going to play this year, I don't really know. I'll let you know, like, like two days before week one. And the team's like, well, we can't really do that. you know. <laughs> and, right. and it was, you know, there was some dysfunction. I mean, right now I don't, it's like one guy being dysfunctional. Um, like, I guess it is dysfunctional by the Packers standards, which, you know, for the most part, they have it pretty much all together at all times. I mean, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't have a 30 year run of, of good success without that sort of mentality and, you know, just probably their structure without like an owner and stuff like that, which is probably what Aaron Rodgers is ultimately upset about the fact that there isn't that guy to, to come slam their fist on the table and make a move to get them over the top. But because of that, I think it does help that the fact that they can, they can, you know, sustain success instead of going for, you know, going completely all in and mortgaging the future. But I think, you know, Rogers wants some of that. That's, that's kind of what this comes down to. It's not really about money. I mean, it's not about power per se. Um, I guess he would love to be involved. But so, so the the all in stuff though. I mean, they're they're fucking almost thirty million dollars yeah. over the cap already. Like they brought well, everybody back. I don't. I know that you're I, never gonna get it, but it's like like what just, more they, does they this never, guy they want? Never, they never get that. I mean, probably another receiver, dude. I mean, or, or, or not like so. Not if, if, if we get, if when, we when trade for if we trade for fucking Julio Jones, that Amer- immediately like. Aaron Rodgers will be all hunky dory and, and come back, and we'll just hemorrhage more money like Bernie Madoff and just just light money on fire. I mean, like I guess. Poker. It, it, I mean, it maybe. Might do it. And, and and then just trade everybody and be the Marlins next year. I don't know. Is that what Packer yeah, fans want? Fine. Is Packer fans will Packer so. fans be happy with that? I, I don't know. I think so. And, and but that's wild to me. Why, uh, like. I say this all the time on this show, and I'm sorry for being repetitive. It's really fucking hard to win a Super Bowl. It is extremely difficult. They could get Julio Jones, and everybody could get hurt. What if Rodgers has another collarbone injury? People don't talk about this enough, but he's had like seven concussions. Like, I do think, like, if he gets another concussion, it's done. Like, I just think he'll stop playing. And so what if he gets concussed seriously? What if... uh, you know, I, I have no idea. And so it's like, I understand the idea of going all in, but I, I think they already have. It's just not everyone's version of all in. It's not the version of Tampa Bay. Everyone wants to play for Tampa Bay because it's Tampa, Florida. They have a bunch of strip clubs when it's not COVID. So that keeps the guys going. There's no state income tax and it's Tom Brady. And he's been a winner for all his life. So why would you, why wouldn't you want to go, go to Tampa, going to green Bay and hanging out at the oval office and going to Milwaukee on a, on occasion to go to lucid. Is that really more fun than Tampa? Probably not. So it's harder. It just is. And I, I don't understand why people don't get that. I'm not, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just yelling at the general public because this idea that we should put Rogers over the team and fire Brian Gunikus is fucking stupid. It is. Well, that's not going to happen. I know, but there are people. That's not going to happen. And and, and the other part, if it's like, if Mark Murphy steps down and Mark Murphy takes a role where he's the director of title town, I don't know, some bullshit job where he's away from football operations and he's just overseeing title town and maybe working on getting an NFL draft to Green Bay is like pride and joy. And he takes a step back and someone else then takes over the football operations. Well, guess what that guy is going to do? That guy's going to be the, try to be the big swinging dick in the cracker factory. He's going to try to establish power. It, it's society, unfortunately, in 2021, it, power is king. Everyone loves it. Everyone abuses it when they get it because of how the media is today. There's not really the Bob Harlan types that just sit back and watch. It just doesn't happen. I'd be stunned if it would. It'd be great, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So I, don't, I just, it, it, that's where the dysfunction is, is like 
we did have these conversations back in 28, 2008. I don't know. I can say 2008. It was far versus Rogers. I mean, I remember I was hanging out at the Perulski household every, every night in the summer. And like, I swear we probably had, I don't know, anywhere from five to eight guys hanging out on a regular basis, basically like frat house without the drinking. And we, I think half were on team Rogers and half were on team Favre. It was split. There are people who decide not to be Packer fans because they got rid of Brett Favre. And those people should never be allowed to be a Packer fan again. I hate those people. And yeah. I would yeah, hate, I mean, I'd hate, they, they I'd hate people. Back, right. right. And, they, and it was the Ron, I loved Ron Wolf's quote on 1250 two weeks ago. They're like, what if Jordan Love starts? He goes, Lambo will still be full. Like, so cocky, yeah. but so perfect. He's right. Would anyone pass up tickets to go see Jordan Love play against Detroit on Monday night? No, absolutely not. No. Well, that's that's maybe that's part of the dysfunction as, as well as like Mark Murphy and the Packers. They know that at the end of the day, that place is going to be full for the next 20 years, yeah. no matter what happens. Unless and it goes drastically wrong. Unless something. So they kind ra- of. So that that's what that's where people get upset. They're like, "Well, the Packers are just happy making the playoffs." But see, I don't, I don't think that's the, I don't think that's true. I think you look at it, and I think what happened. If we want to like really go back on this whole Rogers history career arc, where it really fell was that Ted Thompson did not pressure Mike McCarthy to get rid of. Tom Capers. That was really what should have happened. I think a more, I don't want to say tuned in, but a, a GM, Ted was dialed in, but someone who was a little bit more hands-on and wasn't a little bit more just private, like Ted was such a private guy and kind of just did his own thing. And I think Mike did his own thing and they communicated when it mattered, but I have to believe a more hands-on GM would have forced the coach to get rid of Dom Capers or they would have fired the coach as well. And the fact that they let Dom Capers cash checks for years upon years while the Packers, I mean, the stats out there, I think in NFC championship games, opposing teams average like 37 points against Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, so it's hard to look at it and say, well, it's Aaron Rodgers fault. No, it's the fact. He didn't have a defense and he, he, and if Morgan Burnett does, or is it Morgan Burnett? Yeah. Morgan Burnett doesn't go down against Seattle. They're playing New England, and who knows? Maybe they win, maybe they don't. And and who knows where we are today? And Mike McCarthy might still be the coach of the Packers. Who knows, right? But I, I do think that, yes, the Packers are a little bit slow to change. And it's not that they're okay with making the playoffs. It's, I think, the Packer way does need to be adjusted slightly. I don't disagree with that part. Aaron Rodgers should have been briefed on Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers should have known that there was some interest in Jordan Love. It was nothing against Aaron Rodgers. It was, if it falls this way, we'd really like to draft Justin Jefferson. We'd really like to draft Jalen Rager. But if those guys, we can't get those guys, we might look at Jordan Love. And we think he's going to need probably till your contract before he's ready. So just chill out and don't be upset about it. And we, and we can work with PR to work on talking points if you want them. And that's all what should have been done. But because the Packer way just treats these guys like normal human beings and just normal employees, that didn't happen. And they just said, Oh, yep. We drafted him too bad. Deal with it. And tell the media how you feel. That sucks. Shouldn't he shouldn't deal? Just don't do that to some of your top employees in any field. And when you do, that leads those employees to start looking elsewhere. Say, do I want to get treated better? And Rogers thinks the red carpet would come out for him for Denver and the Raiders, which is ironic because both those coaches are fucking hard asses. And I don't know if they would. I don't know if they would cater to all of Aaron Rodgers' needs at once. And I, I think you'd be frustrated there too. Sorry, I went for a long time without you talking. So I, I'll let you dive back in on anything anything I, mean, I said there. This is, 
this is your area of expertise more than mine. So, I mean, feel uh, I, free. I, I feel like I'm on the therapy couch right now. Like, I feel like this is Packers therapy for me because it's well, just like, it's just, it's, it's a fucking circular argument, man. I mean, it just is. And oh, that's yeah. the reason why it just gets beat, beat to death and brought back to life and beat to death again. It's just, I mean, I'm tired of it. I think everybody's tired of this Rogers stuff. No, and people want to know though. That's the thing. That's what keeps it, you know, keeps it, keeps it beating because it's just like, keeps the heart beating on this thing because it's like, you know, people, I guess, you know, want him to come out and clarify things and this is not going to happen. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's not real life. No. I mean, you know, this is, again, this is not some sort of one event that happened you know, that put him over the top and he's not going to come out and say he's pissed about that. It's just been, I think, like you said, you know, with the, going back to the capers stuff, you know, the last, it's been just, uh, he's just sick of the, sick of the Packer way. And yeah. he wants out, I think. And yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get out. It doesn't mean that he can't have a slight change of heart and they can't talk to him and be like, look, deal with our shit for a year, one more year, we'll get you out of here. And everybody wins. You know, that's, he brought everybody back for one year. However, that's what I was going to say was, you know, and this is going to piss you off again, but it's like, no, it's okay. you know, you, you brought back the same team, probably slightly worse. And, and, you know, slightly, you no know, Corey Lindsley. Um, you do add some draft picks that might help with that, but you basically brought back the same team that has lost in the NFC championship game in the last two years. So hope it works out. Yeah. I, I will. I will say this. Um, I, I think that the crazy thing is, is Green Bay might have like this awesome running attack. I'm not saying that running attacks win you football games, but like Aaron Jones is a top 10 running back. AJ Dillon is an awesome change of pace. And Kylan Hill might be one of their best draft picks out of this, this class. Like Kylan Hill, it was a good player out of Mississippi state had some issues. And it's like, we're, we're ready. We're ready to go. Like if, if you need to move on, you will. But I do think that last dance potential is very real of like just one more year. It helps us financially. Please don't be a malcontent. Just be engaged for everyone, for every 53 guys on the 52 guys on this roster. You have to, you have to just stay engaged. And if you stay engaged, we are going to maybe win a Super Bowl. And so we're getting excited. It. We're getting excited over a, over a seventh round pick after two OTAs. No, I Here, actually was going to call. We, we, I, we need the pinhead music. No, no, no. I was going to actually, it's funny. I, I don't know why that popped in my head, but I was going to actually cut that from the podcast. But now I have to leave it in because you brought it up. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you'd just forget about it and not, not hold me to it. No, there's been more than that. There's been there's been some other stuff that's happened. It was not just OTAs. I've things I've read, things that I've looked at. But um, so yeah, now I have to keep that in. Thanks, Mitch. Um, but anyways, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the last dance potential is really real. But I don't know if you can do the last dance in today's media culture because there's no way the Bulls would have been able to do the last dance in today's media. There is just not a chance. You watch that documentary, and you're like. How would yeah. Skip Bayless and First Take talk about this throughout throughout the the year? It would not have happened. Oh, Sky Pippen I mean, would have got traded. Like, that's the literally like the the nucleus of this of this entire problem is just these insiders that oh yeah I mean, that 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 organization didn't have to deal with you know as recently as ten years ago. I mean, or you know, I guess they did probably ten years ago to an extent, but there was no Twitter. There was no 24 seven news cycle yet, you know, 10 years ago, well, 12 years ago, 15 years ago. I mean, and like, certainly like the, the other thing I love is some of these people, you know, some of these old time Packer fans are like comparing this to Bart Starr and stuff. And like, I had never heard of this guy, Don Horn, who the Packers drafted in 1967, who was in the first round. He was a quarterback. They took him after Bart Starr had just won a Super Bowl, you know, and you got fans that are like, well, Bart Starr didn't complain. It's like, well, how do you know? I mean, Bart Starr, Bart Starr could have been just as much of a – he could have been furious that they drafted his, you know, another quarterback in the first round after they won. But, you know, we didn't have Twitter and we didn't have Jay Glazer and we didn't have, you know, all these insiders and just this constant just got to fill time. And, 
you know, people didn't care about sports back then. <laughs> you know, it's just right. like, but how do you know yeah. Bart Starr wasn't going to, wasn't going to Vince Lombardi being like, what the fuck is this? I mean, yeah. you know, how do you well, know that's, that? That's it could have happened. And everything gets buried, man. Everything got buried in the eighties and nineties. Like I remember, which is crazy. She told us the story because she was a teacher and I, we were in high school, but like, uh, I had a teacher who told us a t- story about how Brett Favre fell down the stairs at Brothers. Like she saw him, he was that fucking drunk that he fell down the stairs at Brothers. Old Brothers, not New Brothers. Which New Brothers talk about a place that would have been cool 20, 10 years ago for your boy. Not cool now. I'm too old. Let that let the record show. But just fell down the stairs. And could you imagine if? like Jordan Love fell down the stairs at red, white, and blue or something like that. Or he like was doing like a Titanic scene at the harp. Like, do you know, like where that would be on TikTok <laughs> immediately when it, you know, mm-hmm. it would be talked about like John. That's why Johnny Manziel flamed out. Like I'm not convinced that Johnny Manziel would have maybe been an athlete in 1990 or 2000 when the, the internet wasn't a blaze, but Johnny Manziel oh, yeah. got killed by the internet every move people hung on every move he made and it killed it like it didn't kill him he's still alive killed his professional career and i kind of think it killed his life like i i think it turned him into a bad dude like i think that that guy is softer than baby shit i actually don't know why i still follow him on twitter i should unfollow him he he well the problem with johnny Manziel is he's a he's a trust fund fuck boy oh yeah i mean Oh yeah, that's he's, that he's, is true. That's so the, very the internet. The internet hates money. Yeah. And oh people yeah. People with money, that, and he just he just absolutely. never had the. He doesn't. He doesn't give a fuck. That's that's his problem. La- so, last thing on want, the pa- but... last thing on the Packers because we went very long. Um, I will say that I I'm just so dismayed that Aaron Rodgers is playing golf with Bryson DeChambeau. That hurts. That hurts. <laughs> it it's tough. I mean, makes sense that Aaron Rodgers is a Bryson guy. But it's tough. As a Brooks guy, I just I can't have it. I really can't. And I loved that both the that every the Twitter was ablaze. Um, that's as as much shit talking as you'll see in golf. I think you have to have Brooks and Bryson play together at the U.S. Open. Like it has to happen. You can't cannot have those guys not tee up with each other uh, for the U.S. Open. It just has to like. That's prime time. Everyone will be watching that. It'd be crazy. Um, and yeah, so I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll probably, I'll still cheer for Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers, but I will hope that he carries the team and Bryson is just sucks. So I, I just don't like Bryson. Okay. Just had to give a, had to give golf thought there. You watch golf on, you watch golf on Sunday. You watch a little Phil Mickelson, huh? Still gets you going? Uh, like ten minutes worth, fifteen minutes worth. More than usual. I don't, I don't, I don't care about Phil Mickelson. I don't really have an opinion. No, it's fine. I mean, everyone's like, "Wow, a fifty-year-old guy won a golf tournament." Well, I mean, he's not dead, and it is pretty impressive when you do have people like DeChambeau and guys who can drive at three fifty. But I'm guessing Mickelson's what three three thirty. I mean, it's not Mickelson like Mickelson had like a drive that was three sixty six. He had a three sixty six yeah, drive. A, My dad was animal. accusing him of steroids, um, which was you know, John had a lot of takes on on Sunday, um, but yeah. So who knows? But yeah, it was impressive, no lie. But everyone just did not really come with their best. All it took was one guy to play his best round of golf. I'm happy it was Phil mm-hmm. and not some random fucker from Europe that won it. And it's like, oh, this Matt Wallace, just an example, won. And it's like, yeah, he's a good golfer, but is he really a major golfer? So kind of glad it's Phil. Um, I find it interesting that this keeps happening in the COVID times with Brady, Phil, LeBron, like that just out of nowhere. I'm not a big Phil guy, but yeah, impressive victory. I thought he was going to collapse all weekend and he never did. So crazy. All right, moving on to the Brewers. Um, they are currently in action. I think it's is it still one one. There's one one last I checked. Um, so this we're taping as the 
that's the baseball is going on. Um, and I, the Brewers made a deal uh, for Willie Adamas, and they traded away two of their relievers, Drew Rasmussen and and J.P. Fireisen, River Falls native. And a lot of there was a lot of criticism. There was a lot of people upset at David Stearns. And people are kind of turning a little bit on David Stearns. And I guess I ask you, Mitch, uh, Brewer fans kind of becoming a little entitled. You had two straight playoff appearances. Last year was a playoff appearance, but it doesn't really count. So what do you think? Is is there a entitlement starting to set in with some Brewer fans? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, probably to an extent. I think that they, they the standards have been raised the last ten years or so. I mean, they've become a winning a winning club for the most part. Yeah. So people kind of expect expect excellence, and um, they haven't really gotten it the last few trades from David Stearns. I mean. You know, nobody's ready to nobody's ready to get rid of him. But at the same time, you know, a guy who was he was gone from <clears throat> pretty much could do no wrong to now he's like kind of digging himself out of this this hole since the Trent Grisham trade. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, Willie Adamas is actually a pretty good player. I think yeah. um, he wasn't having a great season, and he didn't have a good a good COVID ball season last year. But I think he's a pretty good player, and. I don't know. It is kind of weird to give up on the, on Luis Urias as a, as a, as an everyday shortstop. Um, and I don't know where you're going to find that bats for him, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's some entitlement, I think, but um, it, it was, it just, I guess for me, that trade was just kind of like, why now? You know, I, I don't know. It just seemed like a little bit of a desperate move and you, you did get rid of two of your better relievers and now I think you're going to pay for it because you have to have guys like Josh Lindblom throw who's now been designated for assignment, but they apparently hope to get him back for some reason. I mean, just, just pull the plug, please. And um, Angel Perdomo, who I think is God awful at this point. I just, I don't want to, I do not want to see him getting the ball. I just can't, I can't do it with him. I know he's got a ton of potential, but we got to find some lower level or lower leverage situations for him. And, um, you know, so guys like that are going to have to pitch in the meantime until they can figure something else out. But I mean, in a vacuum, I like Willie Adamas. It's just the trade is kind of, kind of seems desperate. So that, I think that's where people are kind of, kind of worried. Yeah. And I, I think that that's fair. And I think it's fair to wonder, you know, had David Stearns just really screwed this up and you're not going to be perfect the entire time. And I think Brewer fans have a right to be upset. I don't think those who are like this set off this whole chain of like Avi Garcia and maybe Moustakis and Grandal could be back. It's like, no, they were, it was, they did. Brewers couldn't afford that. You want Christian Alcha stay? And Moustakis and Grandal had to leave. Even though baseball doesn't have a salary cap, small market bait teams can't spend on everybody. We're not the Dodgers. And the Could trading, have kept one, maybe. Maybe, maybe. But Grandal's not having that great of a season. Moustakis has been on the DL twice this year. It looks like they are kind of doing what Lorenzo Cain did. And the mistake with Grisham was not realizing Lorenzo Cain was washed and not realizing that they should have got out of Lorenzo Cain's deal. Would have been unpopular. It would have been, why are you trading one of the clubhouse leaders? But there should have been a realization that Trent Gresham was ready and waiting. And they didn't get it. And, you know, they traded Mauricio Dubon away. And that deal made sense at the time. They Drew Pomerantz, they needed an eighth inning guy. And Drew Pomerantz was great for the Brewers and they made the playoffs. So I can't really like hate on the idea of trading Dubon, but Dubon has been a plus 250 hitter for his entire career with the Giants. He plays regularly. Giants are an NL West leading team. So that kind of lost my mind on that trade. That was, that trade was, I mean, 
initially I about broke my phone when I saw that. But then I kind of realized, like, well, Dubon is, like, the fifth best prospect of the Brewers farm system at that time, which was a bad farm system. You know, maybe right. he's not that great, and maybe there's something that well, I'm missing. And I just kind of thought, like, if we're going to trade Dubon, it's better be for, like, Will Smith and not Drew Pomeranz. And it was it was Drew Pomeranz who was, you know, fine, but you knew he was going to be a rental. Yeah. And he, and he proved to be that, and he's now with San Diego, ironically. And I, you might be hurt, actually, because I don't, I haven't seen him. Um, but regardless, it, it's it's tough. And and then Uriah Urias was bad, and and they had to fix it because of the errors, and so they they gave up two relievers. But guess what? Now you're going to probably have to go back into the deadline and get another reliever, and maybe. David Stearns and I, I am not having coffee with him. I'm not having a beer with him, but maybe he's thinking getting relievers back is pretty easy and it's pretty easy for us to do that. And maybe we'll trot out some of our triple a guys and see if somebody has something and we see if we can unlock something or maybe Aaron Ashby is the next Corbin Burns, Josh Hader, where he's this kind of two or three inning pitcher that we bring out of the bullpen. Adrian Hauser also did this very successfully. I have no idea. I have no idea what the plan is, but I have to think the Brewers have some sort of plan for this bullpen and we'll see it at some point. I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I think we'll get there. I think the DFA move with Lindblom was a good idea. I'm happy to hear that he's going to AAA. That saves Milwaukee a lot of money because they were going to have to eat like a $4.6 million contract and let him work and see if he can find some stuff again. Because the guy was good in KBO. Why can't he be good here is, is a mystery. But sometimes that happens. Sometimes you just suck when you're actually playing the big boys. And <laughs> maybe really he's a mystery. quad. I mean, the, the, the talent is, I mean, significantly no. better. No, no, no. I mean, here's the thing. You've seen guys like Mike Miles Nicholas, right? Like he got hurt again um, on Saturday. But like Miles Nicholas was pretty has been pretty damn good since coming over from the KBO. You've seen this happen pretty often. Uh, Chris Flaxen. He's also in the he's also in the St. Louis cocoon. Sure, so. sure, 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 sure. Absolutely, and I I get it. I'm just I'm just saying. And then the other kind of brewer thing I had before we ride out is, so we'll see what happens with today's game. Seems like it's going to come down to the wire, probably last pitch. Um. If the Brewers win or lose, they'll be either nine and two or eight and three against the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres, two of the best teams in the NL, NL National League. Does that make you kind of feel better about the Brewers' long term chances, or are you just like, dude, it's the first two months of the season? None of this shit actually mm. matters. Yeah. I mean, it's the correct answer is both, as usual. But <laughs> I mean, it's it's you had to choose one it does give me hope i think if you put a gun to my head yeah because i mean they've been okay against everyone else but to see them be as successful against the the cream of the crop the supposed cream of the crop in the national league i mean yeah why not it gives me hope you know obviously the offense of the brewers takes some away but um yeah why not i mean they, they can hang with these teams i mean in a three-game or, I guess, a five-game series, the Brewers should have the pitching advantage when it yes. comes to postseason baseball. I mean, maybe not against the Dodgers, probably not against the Dodgers, probably not against the Padres, but those are the two, only two teams. And to see them be so successful against those two teams does give me hope. I mean, that, that the offense can somehow – I mean, I texted you the other day, like, it's perfect that the Brewers would tee off on Blake Snell I don't know what his numbers are for the year, but Blake Snell is probably an ace on any other team yeah. outside of San Diego, and he probably should be over you, Darvish, in my opinion. But um, eh, to see to see them go pitch. off on him, yeah, yeah, you yeah, Darvish is suddenly decent, but um, yeah, to to see them get kind of fat off him was was encouraging. Yeah, and. And if you can get something from Eric Lauer, and uh, I mean, it's kind of there with Eric Lauer. Like, it's not – like, I know that 
Eric Lauer is kind of an up and down, but you kind of see it. Like he had another good start today. Like he went six innings. He struck out a few guys. He hit, a, he hit the only, he has the only run for the Brewers. He had a home run. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of there. And it, and I don't know why they, they decided to bring Lauer up. They must just want to stretch some guys out. Might have, I don't, they don't have a ton of off days here coming up. So maybe that's why did council give a reason why they wanted to add Lauer to the, to the squad. Uh, not that I saw, but nah, that would make sense. It would make sense. But you know, if you can get one of two here and then you're playing a bad nationals team over the weekend and you, and you look at that schedule and I've said this a few times, so I apologize to the regular listeners, but J- June is really there for the brewers to get fat especially with everybody back. You have a lot of dog shit teams coming up. Washington this weekend. You have Detroit after that. Arizona, who's lost nine straight games. Cincinnati, who's been bad. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati again. The Rockies, Arizona again. The Rockies again. Cubs playing well. Best record in baseball in the month of May at Pittsburgh. And that's, I mean, that's your schedule until July 4th. That's a lot of winnable games. And if the Brewers aren't in a pretty good spot by July 4th, I think we'll have to start kind of making peace with maybe this. Now it's a dunk club because you never know with the Brewers. They, they love getting hot late in the season. But I, I'll definitely have my reservations that this team is a playoff team if they're not in a good spot come July 4th. Well, yeah, and you got to take advantage of that schedule. Because you're right. I mean, they do have a pretty easy – and they've had a tough schedule so far. I mean, they've played the Dodgers, yeah. the Padres twice, the Cubs a bunch. Atlanta, um, St. Louis. Minnesota oh. to start the year before they figured out they were trash. Yeah. Um, a lot of Cardinals lost that series to the the Phillies, the four-game sweep. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was that was brutal. Um, not not what you not what you wanted there. But that that will probably wrap us up for today. Unless you have any other brewer takes for us. No, I have an NBA quote to leave us on as the Knicks are just amazing comeback. I never quit on the Knicks, match. Um, yeah. From John Rothstein, um, who is a robot, as you know, MSG hasn't been this loud since Chris Benoit made triple H tap in the main event of WrestleMania 20. <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, there are certain guys you just kind of can't bring up in society anymore. And Chris Benoit's one. Yeah, I was going to say, does he know what Chris Benoit did? But I guess not. And John, John Rothstein has not, has not uh, deleted the tweet, which is almost more impressive. I thought that tweet would be deleted because I, re- I refreshed. And he... <laughs> <laughs> he brings up Chris <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hot week for wrestlers. John Cena apologizing to China. Oh man. Just just a great week to be a wrestler. Um but that's where that's where we'll leave you. Um I, I'll also put in a recommendation if you need another podcast. Adam Duritz talking to Bill Simmons. Counting Crows, just cool band. I, is the Chronic Crows one of the more likable bands in your lifetime? Do you like Chronic Crows? Yeah. They're good bands. I, I mean, just how can you not? They have just so many likable tunes. So. Yeah, they, they, right. they're up there. I mean, I, I kind of like Train, too. They're a pretty similar band. Yeah. I think, yeah. Train's yeah. probably not, not as good, but. No. Uh, last, last, last thing, I'll leave you with this. My favorite Counting Crows story is I saw him in concert with Doze's older brother. Not with Doze. Uh, his older brother's like, hey, we're going to see Counting Crows. You want to come? And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? I was like, in high, I either was in high school or I was right out of high school. Maybe drinking age, maybe not. And they were playing with Augustana. Remember Augustana? I think I'll go to Boston. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they actually had a lot of jams. I had their album. They're good. Um, so anyways, it was like a double feature on uh, Summerfest free stage. 
Augustine played first. They were pretty good. And then Connie Crows were out there. And Duritz was herring, like just drunk. Um, but he was having a good time. He's jamming out on his piano. He's at his piano. He's slurring his words. He's like, what do you guys want to hear? So it was like, long December. It's like, fuck it. And he just goes right into it. One of the coolest things I've seen at a concert. I forgot about that story Ooh. until listening to that podcast. And I was like, that's great. You love that, like, you love that, like, sleepy radio rock stuff, like the, uh, um, oh, the fray, yeah, cable car, right? Yeah, the fray, the fray, yeah, Yeah. and Augustana. (laughs) Oh man, I I was a big Howie Day guy back in the day. Remember Howie Day? I loved Howie Day. Howie Day, great. Didn't he had a little problem with the booger sugar, I think. He was, uh, James Bond. Little Demi Lovato. Yeah, I had a few little James, but James Blunt always made me sad, though. You know who I got really into, but I also was kind of down bad with women at that point, was uh, Goat or whatever. The guy who was like, somebody I used to know, whatever the hell that was. Oh, it was a little later. Gautier, whatever. Gautier, yeah, Gautier, thanks. Yeah, but I was down bad with, with women at that point, so it's not really surprising that that kind of spoke to me. I listened to that song over and over again. I think I probably started crying. Whatever. We don't, we don't need to go there. But yeah, I do have a little, I do have a soft spot for that sleepy, sleepy sort of rock. I was big, I was a big Guster guy. I still am like Guster. I have a good Guster story. Um, but yeah, so there's that. So anyways, cool. There, there's, there's the music minute from uh, the Snowtap boys. All right. Music do minute it. from COVID Chuck. <laughs> Got to find a new name for me. Um, so best of luck on that. Um, all right. That does it for us. We'll be back tomorrow. I wasn't going to do a Friday pod. I had to do a pod today. Um, try to be better about that, telling you guys when I'm going to take a day off. Um, but I got to be better at looking at a sports calendar because I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, no one's going to be in the office. It's Friday Memorial Day. And it's like, nah, Bucks play on Thursday, dude. I think we want to hear what you got to say. So, yeah, I'll be there Friday. Do a pod Sunday or Monday based on my home feeling long over, not uh, after game four as well. So we'll, uh, we'll mission. I'll talk to you guys next week and yeah, take care. See ya. Peace. I was waiting for it. You, you left the people hanging. All right. Later. <laughs>